And now I want to bring in the podcast part of this too, and as we switch to the Pistons, because I absolutely forgot to uh, have this in my hand. <laughs> so for the Friday aspect of it, and this is going to go to the Pistons now. So Pistons magic. Cade Cunningham struggled in this game, missing his first 11 shots for the Detroit Pistons. So the Orlando Magic, they improved to 10 and 40 at the time. They got its first win in the season series. So it's 2-1 in the season series. Pistons still have another one coming. Pistons fell to 11 and 37. They were outscored 39-19 in the first quarter. The final result was academic as Orlando cruised to a 119-103 victory on Friday night. Trey Lyles added 18 points. Had two steals and two blocks to pace the Pistons. Sadiq Bey added 17 points. And Kate Cunningham, as we said, had a poor shooting night. Three for 17 and finished with just eight points. And look, it's one of those things where, again, we talk about Detroit Pistons in terms of, you know, being undersized or not being very good defensively and things like that, as I always do. But it's one of those things where you think about the Orlando Magic, right? And they have the worst record in the Eastern Conference. And now it's just between a couple games between the Pistons and the Magic and things like that. But you can't be outscored 39-19 in the first quarter to a team like this, but then come back and expect to win. I don't care if you're down by 20 against any team in the NBA. You're down 20 on the road. You're probably not coming back and winning the game. But to see Orlando go out and do that, it was absolutely a little disheartening in terms of that. But it kind of shows you again where the Pistons are. So Orlando in this game came out. They started making 15 of their first 22 shots. And there was a big stink about here locally because former Michigan Wolverine and rookie uh, Franz Wagner finished with a game-high 24 points and 3 rebounds. Oh, all of a sudden now, Franz is better than Cade Cunningham because everybody likes to go on social media and say all those things. Absolutely not true at all. But he definitely outplayed Cade in this night. He struggled. But everybody's allowed to struggle after the you know 25-5-5 games and the stuff like that we profiled with Michael Jordan uh, last week. So Terrence Ross, I think he is an excellent piece off the bench. He had a 21 points, three rebounds, two assists, and a block. Mo Bamba also had double digits with 18 points, 11 rebounds, two blocks. Uh, Chuma Okiki added 17 points, six rebounds, two assists, and three blocks for the Magic. Both teams had chances from the free throw line. Detroit was 29 for 37, and Orlando shot a blistering 25 for 26 from the charity stripe. So... One of those ones, again, where the Pistons don't have the depth and the things that they need. So when you look at it wholeheartedly and you look at it honestly, Pistons don't have the depth. They're down. Cade Cunningham struggling. They're down by 20 points. Probably not coming back in this game. I don't care who it is. I know the Orlando Magic have been struggling. And again, when I look at Mo Bamba or Cole Anthony or, again, Franz Wagner or Terrence Ross, I maybe even throw Wagner out there, but between Ross, between Bamba, between Cole Anthony, I mean, that's probably players I would rather have on this team than I'd have some of them on the Pistons, to be honest with you. I do think Orlando does have some pieces, so they really need to come out and try to prove that they can win some games because I don't think all of these guys are bad. But on the Sunday side, as we profiled last week, you had the Cavaliers and the Pistons, and I mentioned that the Cleveland Cavaliers... I thought we're a much better team in terms of what it, you thought about of LeBron James leaving and go to the Lakers and things like that. All oh, the Cavaliers will never be the same without him. Oh, they'll never be any good. That's what everybody's saying. But it's not how you start. It's how you finish. 
because the Pistons ended up getting a uh, win. They improved 12-37 and 37 at the time with a triple-double from Cade Cunningham. And the team played strong in the fourth quarter to close out the Cleveland Cavaliers, who fell to 30-20, and 115-105 on Sunday night. Cavaliers had the fifth seed in the East. They are a really good team. Cade Cunningham recorded 19 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, 3 steals, and a block. Once again, he stuffed the stat sheet. Sadiq Bey finished with 31 points, 11 for 20 shooting, and Frank Jackson was strong off the bench. He was very strong, 7 to 10 shooting, or 19 points for the Pistons. He's coming off COVID and all that stuff very nicely. It's clear that Frank Jackson is someone that can go off the bench and score, and the Pistons really needed that because, again, Starting from the beginning of the game, the Cleveland, race, Cleveland Cavaliers raced up to a 15-0 lead, and it seemed like a really slow start again would doom the Pistons like it did against the Orlando Magic on Friday. But the Pistons really took it to the Cavs late in the contest, and it was great to see. Darius Garland paced the Cavaliers with 24 points and 7 assists. Rookie of the Year candidate Evan Mobley, 18 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 blocks. Jared Allen added 15 points. The Cleveland Cavaliers, again, they were hot. They were 10-4 and four in the month of January. And the Pistons, I think, they're, they are playing better of late. 5-7 and seven in their last 12 contests, and they're playing much better basketball. I mean, guys, they started 7-30. and 30. So they're playing much better than they, they've been of late. So up next for both teams, again, was the New Orleans Pelicans. So leading tonight, the Pistons will play the Pelicans about 7 p.m., and I'll have the post-game stuff like that after all this stuff is done. So... I was pleasantly surprised to go ahead and see the Pistons make a hell of a fourth quarter run. They outscored Cleveland 31-17 in the fourth quarter, and it was really good to see because Kate Cunningham, again, you want to see what happens with the bounce back and come back at home. You absolutely get a triple-double. You dominate. You look pretty good. Sadiq Bay's 31 points on 11 of 20 shootings. So any concerns you had about Sadiq Bay? is he going to fit? I mean, the only thing left, I would imagine, Everybody can sit and talk about Killian Hayes like they want to. And again, I already think he's a pretty competent defender. It's whether or not his offense and everything else is going to round in the form. Because he's a good defender and he can definitely pass the ball. But my only question is, throughout this whole time, when I'm thinking about all that stuff that I've talked about before with Kate Cunningham and Sadiq Bay. Now I'm looking at Isaiah Stewart, and I see a little bit of regression this year. I'm seeing a guy that's not absolutely doing all the things that he could do last year as far as hitting a mid-range shot and hitting an occasional three. The guy is playing like Ben Wallace on offense. He, he's not that. He, he can make shots, but I, I don't know what's going on with all that stuff. He's got to figure that out because I think if you can spread that out a little bit and just give the Pistons a little bit more from that side of it, and then you're bringing in a top-tier rookie going into next year, you have Cade Cunningham, everybody's going to sit here and talk about how bad the Pistons are, and I understand it's not going as well as they probably expected. Honestly, I think, for me, this is probably more what I expected the Pistons to be. I didn't think they were a very good team. I thought, honestly, they were, they were one of the worst rosters in the league. But you wanted to see what Cade Cunningham was going to be able to do. And if there was any questions now in terms of, Jalen Green or Cade Cunningham or Evan Mobley and things like that. Look, Evan Mobley is probably going to win Rookie of the Year. His team is a lot more competitive, as we talked about. They're probably making the playoffs. Cade Cunningham is not going to make an all-star game this year. Uh, there's certain things that aren't going to happen, but if you look at who the Pistons should have drafted, I think they absolutely got it right. And I think all you really need to do is in the next couple of years is you continue to draft you know, from where you are in the lottery and you surround talent around Kate Cunningham, you have to look at this and think, geez, you have a really good chance here to have a guy that's going to be the best player you've had since Grant Hill 
I know Grant Hill didn't get to stay all that long because of the injuries and things like that, and you trade for Ben Wallace, and that turned out to be a really good thing for the Pistons, but I absolutely love Grant Hill. I think Kate Cunningham is every just as bit as talented. You put some pieces around him, I honestly feel like Kate Cunningham's going to stay. The only way I would see Kate Cunningham not staying here is if you really drop the ball and you don't put talent around him, because if you don't put talent around him, obviously he's not going to stay, but if you continue to try to surround talent and get better and prove like that, I think the Pistons could be a really good team, and Kate Cunningham's probably the best player that they've had in a long, long time. I can definitely say that. So, there are some other news that I want to get to here, and we'll get to some more NHL and NBA outlooks and standings and stuff like that next week, but I have a few other things that I want to talk about here. Probably get a close to about an hour show and things like that, maybe a little over depending on what the topics are and what you want to guys, guys want to talk about if I see you in here. If you have any questions, comments, and concerns, I can definitely get at you and things like that too. So, this was the thing that I wanted to mention too. There still is no news as far as uh, Major League Baseball and the season and things like that, but we finally got our little interest of gaming bit news. So Shohei Otani is going to be on the cover of MLB The Show 22. And in addition to this, the popular baseball title is going to be making its debut on the Nintendo Switch alongside existing in PlayStation and second-year Microsoft console on that aspect on April 5th. So... People like to console flex, and they want to talk about other things outside of Shohei Otani and things like that. So, again, I think Shohei Otani was the perfect person to put on the cover for this. The two-way player that we haven't seen since, like, Babe Ruth, so really none of us have ever got a chance to see something like that, is absolutely incredible. And that's there's no way you'd put anyone else on the cover other than Shohei. That's going to sell a lot of copies. People are smart. But, you know, it's funny. Within these console acquisitions and uh, company acquisitions, I want to talk about some of this, too. I'm going to lead this into some of the other company acquisitions as well. But people are console flexing on uh, MLB The Show, and it's, it's kind of funny because I see this all the time, and I really want to to make this point so San Diego studio is a Sony property uh, so I hope people understand that so Rob Manfred in Major League Baseball went up to Sony and said look this first party exclusivity deal is not going to work we want a cut of this money if you refuse to uh, only make the make the game on Sony we're just going to go elsewhere so you're really going to have to make this a Microsoft Nintendo property we want to get as much cut of that money as we can so Sony was like all right we're going to make this second party, but we're going to have our PlayStation Studios logo, San Diego Studios logo, on a Microsoft console, a Nintendo console, when they boot up the game. Okay, that's the way it goes. So you have a second party situation now, but everybody seems to think, oh, I don't need to buy anything because I can get this on Xbox Game Pass. <laughs> you know, but look. Sony's going to get royalties on that. It doesn't mean that if the game goes on Game Pass that Sony doesn't get a cut of it. It doesn't go on Nintendo Switch properties and go in the eShop. Uh, Sony doesn't get a cut of that. So I don't understand why people don't want to choose to use their brains or console flex. It's not important about what console you buy. We're all, we're all adults here. I mean, unless you're kids, I understand you're 5, 10 years old and you can't afford it, you don't have a job or things like that, or your mom or your dad, you have to help you buy and pay for it. I've been there. I mean, hell, I'm 34 years old and I'm a complete loser and I'd have to say some of those things like that because I'd be flat out broke and homeless. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit there and console flex and talk about, oh, I got this and you don't have this and we can do this. It's stupid at the end of the day. Enjoy the game. Enjoy whatever you have on whatever console you want to play. 
As far as a sports game, I know a lot of people don't like to give publicity to sports games because it's always the same thing every year. There's only a little bit of changes. It's nothing more than a glorified roster update. Those are all the things that everything everybody loves to say. And the majority of all that stuff is true for the most part, with exception to MLB The Show. Because being a first-party exclusive, and I really that's pretty much what it was for the longest time, Sony and San Diego Studio put a lot of effort into this to be a really good baseball game all the way across the board. And this isn't me kissing their ass or anything like that. It's just a really damn good game outside of all of that. Even outside of the sports realm, it's fun to play. But there are some grievances and stuff like that that I want to share about it at the end of the day. So again, it is worth your time. It doesn't matter how you end up playing it. But if you want to talk about, you know, EA or 2K... In terms of their sports situations, I'm not going to have that same de designation. Not all of that is always worth your time. I'd never be able to get to sleep if we always talked about things like that. But this is where I want to criticize MLB The Show and everything else going forward. And I did this a lot last year when crossplay was introduced and Microsoft was also added to the bill. Because I ran into some issues like a lot of you did, or the majority of you players that play a lot online, because I don't. Most of this stuff is offline, or if I play... Uh, you know, the Diamond Dynasty, the Quicks, maybe some Diamond Dynasty stuff, but uh, that mode that they added in when you can do like a quick season and go all the way through, I'm, I'm uh, brain farting on the name right now, but I was able to play that stuff, like March to October. I, I really enjoyed that part of it. That was a really cool addition that they made. That was kind of more of an offline thing. But here's where San Diego Studio and Sony and the rest of those guys have to put in some work. So the one way that San Diego Studio can make this game a whole lot better is to put money back into the online servers. Because it certainly seems like when crossplay was introduced that the team at San Diego Studio and Sony and everyone else like that were putting everything else on the cheap. Because when you have PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, when you have Xbox One and Xbox Series, and now you're also adding Nintendo Switch, you have five different player bases right now. So the company makes so much profit margin off of Diamond Dynasty, it's, it's really quite large. It's like those pay-to-win things like Hockey Ultimate Team or FIFA Ultimate Team or Madden Ultimate Team and things like that. They make a lot of money off of that. And I think it's up to them to put some of that money back into the servers to make sure everything runs smoothly. Again, because it's PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series, and Nintendo Switch, it's really important to be able to do all of that. When you have five different install bases trying to play a game online, and when you're trying to go online, look, let's say you're coming up from work or doing whatever, you had a long, hard day, and you just want to play some baseball, you just want to play a game, it doesn't matter what it is. When you go online, there's nothing more disconcerting than having to get a huge console update or being able to go and you try to go online to play and you get kicked off or booted off or it lags and kicks you out and gives you a loss and things like that. But it happens all the time when you're playing MLB The Show. The servers get overloaded, games have horrible lag, and even when the servers aren't overloaded and you're toward the end of the year, somehow there's some error codes and things like that that make the game don't work at all. So having cross-play, I always talk about it, is very important. When you have PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Series, and Nintendo Switch now, it is important because it leaves the game economy and everything else always able at your side to be able to get a matchup. It's really important to be able to do all of that. But at the same time, if you don't have the actual ability to be able to pull it off, then what good is it? As good as the game is offline, it is terrible online. And I think the studio does a wonderful job of making an excellent baseball game, but the online component... 
to me, has taken much more of the core attention than I'd personally care for, away from the single-player career modes and things like that. But if server issues are not addressed, the series is not going to be able to reach the heights that it could be, because honestly, I think outside of the realm of baseball, MLB The Show could be really good, but the company has got to stop cutting corners on servers. When you're bringing in yet another company now, for, for Microsoft and Nintendo now, on five different bases, if you don't put that work in and you don't do your due diligence to make sure everyone else in the economy is happy as far as those five player bases, because the majority of people aren't going to be like me. A lot of them want to play the game online. They want to play Diamond Dynasty. They want to play the other modes. They want to interact with their friends. They want to play online leagues. I'm more of an offline guy. I've always been and always will be. But at the same time, and again, that doesn't matter what game, but at the same time, when you're making a sports game, it's very, very, very important that you have stable online servers from year to year to year. Again, cross-play is very important, but you got to be able to do it and hit it right. Otherwise, it's not going to work. So, I want to get into this NFL quick hits and some of these other quick hits here. And then I want to break into a big, big topic. And that might be a little bit of controversy here. But I want to get to it because it's been on my mind. Kind of like the big topic I had last week with Aaron Rodgers and try to give you a little bit of a suspect as far as different ways to think about it so nf quick hits here i want to talk about quickly nfl retirements we had some huge ones over the weekend and during the week last week of uh, ben roethlisberger and tom brady and whether or not you think the world about ben roethlisberger as a person at the end of the day ben roethlisberger again was one of the best to ever do it he is one of those big quarterbacks he got the job done. He played with the Pittsburgh Steelers his entire career. I understand the stuff with the motorcycle. I understand some of the court cases and things like that. But at the end of the day, I think Ben Roethlisberger probably did the most to atone for all of that. He was beloved in the city of Pittsburgh. Congratulations on his retirement. He's done very, very well in all of that and well-deserved. Now, on the other aspect of it, I, th I thought this was really interesting because over the last couple days, especially going on the weekend, you didn't have official word that Tom Brady was retiring until today because Tom Brady came out and flat out said he's retiring and all this stuff is done. He's going to go in 100% or not go in at all, and he, he's done now. He's going to spend more time with Giselle and his family and his kids and things like that. And uh, he's played a long time. He got about 20 seasons with the Patriots, about a couple with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He got six Super Bowl rings. There isn't anything that the guy hasn't done, and he's done everything to the utmost ability and utmost effort. What amazes me, at the end of the day, and I'm not, I'm not just talking about Michael Wolbon on PTI or uh, Rob Parker. Remember Parker and the man here from the Detroit radio aspect, and then he went to NFS1 and things like that. That was a long time ago with Parker and the man. But some of these guys, man, i surprised when they come out and I hear, like, well, Joe Montana was a better quarterback, or uh, Rob Parker... He didn't call Tom Brady the GOAT. He called him the LOAT, luckiest of all time. Like, okay, dude, I understand everybody's going to want to sit here and play with talent. That's the way that it goes. But when you look at that last Super Bowl ring before he went to the Buccaneers with the Patriots, you're down large against the Atlanta Falcons. You really have, you had like an injured James White at the time, so he wasn't there. You have Julian Edelman. That's all you got. You're down large. And you end up winning the game. Uh, all the work and stuff that he's done to be able to play through age 44. Again, if you were to play through this season, he'd been 45 years old at the start of the year.
be able to do that for 22 seasons, you're going to sit here and call this guy the luckiest guy of all time, and you didn't even make any kind of assertions about Tom Brady's talent or his work ethic or his skill and things like that. I, I thought that there was a lot of hate on Tom Brady. It's one of those things where I equate it to the Detroit Red Wings dynasty at the time or the San Antonio Spurs of basketball or the New England Patriots. I guess there's a lot of people out here that are very sour and I guess that there's a lot of people out here that want to sit there and blame those that win all the time because oh they get so tired of the guys that win all the time and they get so tired of dominance and it's so boring and this and that. Well I mean I call BS on all that crap because where is everybody when you're talking about the Boston Celtics with Larry Bird and Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale and Danny Ainge? Where is everybody when you're talking about the Showtime Lakers? Where is everybody when you're talking about the Miami Heat and uh, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh or the LA Lakers? Dynasty? Everybody loves it. They love the controversy. They love talking about their favorite stars. Don't give me this crap that you don't love it. There's a lot of people out there that want to sit there and say it because everybody's a keyboard and social justice warrior now. But it's not true. You guys all love to talk about what the most popular things are. And for Tom Brady, for anyone to go out there and sit here and say that he's not the greatest of all time, you're completely aft in the head. I'm sorry. It is. I'm not the biggest football guy in the world, but at the same time, when I look at all of that, and that's not just talking about this stuff on ESPN Plus because the last episode of Tom is uh, not to air yet, and maybe that's not going to happen until after the Super Bowl or when he makes another retirement thing and things like that. If you hadn't watched Man in the Arena with Tom Brady on ESPN, I definitely encourage you to check it out, and I definitely will say this. I will agree with you on one thing. I'm not going to sit here and talk about Deflategate and Bill Belichick or Spygate and things like that because at the end of the freaking day, dude was still going to end up winning anyway. I think he, he was that good. And Tom Brady is that good in terms of this is one guy that can lead a franchise and instantly make your team better and you can win the whole thing. But what was nice for me, and it's not just in the documentary and all that, but seeing Tom go to Tampa Bay, picking up Gronk, I don't care about Antonio Brown taking his shirt off in the CTE or whatever the hell he's got. He's a completely weird guy. He's got some marbles missing around up there. But one of those things, when you look at Tom and you go see him in Tampa Bay and you think, it's a chance for him to let his hair down a little bit. It's a chance for him to throw that Lombardi trophy from boat to boat with Rob Gronkowski and... Uh, Take some tequila shots, get absolutely drunk off stuff, go on Instagram, have some fun, share some pictures. That kind of makes a more humanistic approach of Tom. And at the end of, end of the day, when you look at his legacy and all of the stuff and all of it, look, I'm not the biggest football guy and all that, so I can't sit there and talk about all of it, but I, I would call him the GOAT. And I would think at the end of the day, when you get a chance to see everything else that he did in Tampa, when he had all that fun, kind of letting his hair down, doing all that, it's more of a humanistic approach to Tom that you never got to see before. And I think in the clarification of all that, when his career is all said and done like it is right now, he retired on top, you got to see a humanistic approach, and you get to get an appreciation of a guy that you thought was more buttoned up and laced and to the vest and all that like Bill Belichick. No, he's his own guy, and at the end of the day, he just worked hard to do whatever he wanted to do. He made it work for himself, and I understand he have God-given ability and talent and work ethic and things like that. Maybe certain aspects of that 
as good as you are, you can't replicate all of that. Tom did it at the utmost perfection. Not everybody's going to be able to do that. Look, I have cerebral palsy. I can't sit there and play sports. It doesn't matter how hard I work and all that stuff. All of a sudden, I'm not going to never have to use crutches anymore. I may have my legs magically work and things like that. It is what it is. But at the end of the day, he did the work. He put in the effort. I think everyone got a chance to see more of a humanistic approach and appreciation. How do you not have appreciation for the guy? But that, that's all I'm saying. So, any other NFL quick hits here? Let's talk about this, too. So you have Matt Stafford, and now you have Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl. So, again, I'm glad that I don't bet because I would have lost my ass with uh, Patrick Mahomes having that big lead. I d didn't like the fact when I looked at it, and it certainly seems like he kind of mailed it in in the second half. I don't know if that's the case or not, but it certainly looked that way. When I saw it last night, and again, I'm not the biggest football guy. But when you think about Matt Stafford, and you think about what, like the 15, whatever, how many years it's been, more double-digit years, 13, 14 years for Matthew Stafford here in Detroit. And I just, I shake my head, and I look at it last, when he when he wins Sunday night, I feel ill. And I, I don't feel ill because I have any hatred or ill will toward Matthew Stafford. But I am conflicted. And I'm only conflicted in the sense of not because I don't like Matthew Stafford or Kelly Stafford kind of makes me shake my head when she says some things on social media like, don't make fun of my husband. Or she throws popcorn at him and things like that. And she does a little too much, right? But she she loves her husband. I get it. But I feel ill in the sense of, okay, you had Calvin Johnson, you had Matt Stafford, you had Adamic and Sue. You still went 0-16. You had some of these things where you got into the wild card and then you look completely un unprepared with the Dallas Cowboys in the second half and then the New Orleans Saints and things like that. So you can't say throughout history, again, I understand how horrible the lines are mismanaged. And again, that nobody's ever going to have any hope and this team's ever going to do anything. And it's the same old bit with Sheila Ford and Martha Ford and this and that. At the end of the day, you got to throw all that stuff aside, and this team's got to figure it out at some point. Yeah, we might all be fucking dead at that point. I, look, I get it. We might all be dead at that point, but at some time, you have to throw away all those old bits and move on. The Lions did what they had to do. They wasted Matthew Stafford for the longest time. They made the trade. They got Jared Goff. They're going to have him for one more year, and then they're going to end up shipping him out of town. The way I look at it between Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff, Jared Goff already got them to this point. At this point for me, it's nothing more than a slow golf clap. And at this point for me, maybe because I'm not the biggest Lions guy and all of that, I don't disrespect or hate Matthew Stafford. But this is what I expected him to do. This is what all of us expected him to do going into the offseason. And anything less than a Super Bowl victory just isn't good enough at this point. Again, it's probably unfair to say to put all the expectations and blame and things like that all on him. But it's got to get done. You could break all kinds of regular season records at the end of the day. Everybody called him Stat Padford. You could break all those things at the end of the day, but it all comes down to winning and doing things like that. Was it Matt Stafford's fault that they got rid of the best coach they ever had in Jim Caldwell? No. And I'm one of those ones that said maybe Jim Caldwell is not that good because you didn't know about the pass back and forth kind of thing between Aaron Rodgers, that he could throw the ball 65 yards. All those old story bits. But this is where Stafford was supposed to be. This is his time to get the job done. When I look at it from the other perspective of Joe Burrow, and I look at it and I see him in his second year in the league, and he's already in the Super Bowl right now, he already has a chance to win it all. 
I think that that is a bigger, bigger story. And that's something that's going to be much more talked about. Look, I understand I'm in the minority of all this. Everybody around Detroit loves Matthew Stafford, it seems to be. I think that there's a lot of closet people that are a little afraid to go out and say anything. I'm not one of those ones. I'm not going to glorify Matthew Stafford, but I also don't hate him either. I could take it or leave it if he wins it. If he wins it, though, next week I'm going to give you full marks in terms of Matthew Stafford and get him all the credit in the world because I'm not going to be one of those guys that pretend to not do that. But this is where he's supposed to be. I look at Joe Burrow on the other side, I'm thinking, holy crap, you just took out the Tennessee Titans, who maybe, okay, you don't know, Derrick Henry, things like that, number one seed, all, all the more, though. Then you beat Patrick Mahomes and Arrowhead on the road. And then you look at that and you say, holy crap, this guy is really, really good. Have I ever, I will say this, and this is probably going to give me another few docked points, but I'm going to say it anyway. Have you ever thought within the grand scheme of things, that Matthew Stafford... I'm not going to sit here and say blasphemy that he's like the worst quarterback in the league and this and that, because no, he's always been pretty good. I would always consider Matt Stafford every time within the 8-10 to 10 range, right? Is, is that a little high for some of you? I want to give him his credit and all that, because I always think he's been a good quarterback. He's always been a top-10 quarterback. But have you ever had conversations where you thought Matt Stafford was a top-5 quarterback or a top-3 quarterback? I'm having those conversations and thoughts right now about Joe Burrow. I've had those conversations and thoughts about Aaron Rodgers. I've had those conversations and thoughts about Patrick Mahomes. Yes, I know Matt Stafford's laughing because they're all sitting home right now. And everyone says, oh, he took out the goat. He made him retire in the first year. <laughs> but it is what it is. And he's there, and I hope that he can get the job done for his sake because if he doesn't, if he doesn't, <laughs> that's going to be rough. When you have uh, you know Bruce Buffer and all those stars and all that, again, we talked about it from the beginning of the year. Detroit, if people think media are tough at Detroit, Detroit hands you nothing but softballs, and you just take Miguel Cabrera vintage, and you knock those out of Comerica Park over and over again. That's what Stafford and all those guys have been able to do. All those athletes, you don't face pressure here in Detroit. That's just softball question. I mean, they'd throw a fucking parade if the Lions won a, a football game here. That would act like their Super Bowl victory. I mean, hell, they threw a parade when the Lions got their first victory against the Minnesota Vikings, when Dan Campbell was picking up Sheila Ford and pretty much making out with her and feeling her up. Oh, it's so hard to get a win in the football league. What do you, what do you want, a gold star? You're supposed to be able to do those things. But again, that's probably why... Uh, Matt Stafford had to leave because like I got to get out of here because they're not going to do anything here for me. So critical conversation here before we get into some of this critical going forward. Want to do a couple shameless plugs? I uh, uploaded the Scarlet Nexus review again. I talked about uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon, Lost Judgment, Scarlet Nexus, and Marvel Guardians of the Galaxy. Those are the ones I got cheap in the Black Friday sale for Christmas finally got one of those done. So Scarlet Nexus is up on the blog if you want to go ahead and check that out. There was also a quick acquisition by Sony to counter the Activision Blizzard move. And look, I'm going to keep it to you simple and plain like this. As far as what you want to talk about with company acquisitions, Activision, Activision Blizzard, like we talked about last, last week, was a huge one. Again, Sony and Bungie. It's not Halo anymore. Bungie's with the 343 Studios, whatever it is right now for Halo. But Bungie right now is Destiny. In terms of what Sony does, and in terms of what Microsoft will do, is the same thing. They're going to take these companies, they're going to try to figure out what they can do with all their other uh, IPs that are within it, 
and see what they can do going forward. And going forward, I'm going to put it to you simple and plain. It's like this. Everybody talks about the Activision Blizzard acquisition and the Bungie des uh, acquisition for Sony. Oh, in the immediate future, that means that Call of Duty and Diablo and all that is not going to be on multiplat. No, that's not true. All this stuff at the end of the day is only going to happen when the next console iterations come out. Yes, they own the properties, but right now, because they own the properties, Microsoft is going to get bare piece of the coin when you play a game on Sony's platform. If you're playing Call of Duty and you download it, Microsoft is going to get a piece of that pie now with Activision and Blizzard. If you're playing Destiny and you download on the Xbox side, PlayStation is going to get a piece of that pot. That's the way it's working right now. Well, going forward is what's going to be interesting. And this is going forward into the PlayStation 6 and the next Xbox, whatever they want to call it, because they don't want to do uh, numeral adaptations here, which always wants to make it confusing on the Xbox side. But PS, PS6 and the next Xbox going forward, that is when, folks. That is when I truly believe you're going to figure out how Activision Blizzard, how Bungie, and all the, how all these other acquisitions are going to work. Are they going to have Activision Blizzard games? Or are you going to have World of Warcraft on a console? Will that ever happen? I don't think so. But Diablo? That could be just an Xbox thing at that point. The next Destiny thing? That could be just an Xbox thing at that point going into the next consoles. That is like 2026 and down the road. That is maybe when you think about Bethesda and some of the other acquisitions for Microsoft, and you think, well, I'm only going to be able to play Elder Scrolls and Starfield on Microsoft consoles or on PC. That is when you're going to have to really think about all that stuff. But as for right now, guys, again, if you like something, I always talk about this because I see all this console flexing and it's driving me nuts right now. But if you think about it, if you really like something, speak with your wallet. And if you don't like it, speak with your wallet. It doesn't matter. If you want to play something, go play it. At the end of the day, we all have our preferences. People like to either game on console, they like to game on PC. People like to either game on Nintendo, Microsoft, or Sony, or they like to game on PC. It is what it is at the end of the day. Sony's got more RPGs of the Japanese ilk. Microsoft's got more first-person shooters and more uh, Americanized stuff like Oblivion and Skyrim and Starfield and Bethesda stuff. So those that's kind of what you have in front of you. But at the end of the day, you speak with your wallet. And I think there is a good cohesionness between all three consoles. And I think all of them are going to do their best to try to play nice. Sony doesn't have all the cash in hand like Microsoft and Windows and stuff like that. Xbox is just a little bit of a division that goes ahead and they're trying Game Pass and doing a lot of different things that Sony isn't doing. It's a lot different. But at the end of the day, speak with your wallet. And all three systems right now are really good in their own right. And quite honestly, as I've told you before, I have a PS5. I want to get an upgraded Nintendo Switch at some point if that ever gets released. And the Xbox Series console, it's not Game Pass and everything else. It's kind of blowing my mind. I, I'm not really their target audience. It's the fact that I can pay 40 bucks for a developer mode and make that an open emulation machine. And then at the same time when I want to, turn that mode off and then go back and use the Xbox normally. That is what's the sexy alternative here for me for the Xbox side. And If they can do that again for the next iteration of the Xbox, I'm probably all on board again like I was in the 360. Because again, that was an excellent console. Xbox One... Uh, Stuff like, you know, all that, not so much. But now with the series, yeah, they, they're doing it right. PS5 is doing it right. Nintendo Switch is doing it right. Uh, we're in a good spot right now. But at these sports games and things like that, eh, I don't know, guys. <laughs> so I want to close it out with this. 
And this might be one of those big controversies and things like that. I want to sit there and talk about it. So, again, if you don't follow all of this, I'm going to try to give you a little quick recap and give you my thoughts on this. It might be a, a take that people might think a little bit crazy and they might have some bad things to say about me and all that, but it is what it is. I want to keep this fair and honest and have a good discussion about it. So, do you know about G4? Do you remember G4 when it used to be on TV and things like that? When Before it was tech TV, before it even was G4. Look, I never had cable. I only had cable between my senior year of high school. That was like 2004, 2005. The time I ended up to this house. And I'm cable. This is where I'm still at. And look, I can, you can say whatever you want about me. And I, I'm always honest with you. Like I said, 34 going on 35 with cerebral palsy, trying to find work and do things like that, blogging all that stuff at the end of the day because I don't know what else to do because at the end with a liberal arts degree and a journalism degree, can't do much with all of that. I'm, I'm pretty much the certified loser as much as I could ever be one. And if it wasn't for them, I'd pretty be pretty much be homeless and on the street. I'm gonna, not going to sit here and uh, sugarcoat anything. It is what it is about me. You can sit and talk about whatever you want, whether or not you agree with this topic. But there's some things going on with G4 and these social justice warriors, and what's going on with uh, Indiana Black. So if you're not familiar with Indiana Black, I don't think many, all, maybe all of us are, maybe all of us are not. She is one of those ones that had a huge rant on social media, and you can go ahead and you can look that up. If you type in G4 Controversy here in Google, that's one of the first things that's going to pop up and talk about it. And you're going to talk about G4 in terms of, again, when it was tech TV and call for help and things like that, from what I've heard, I didn't get a chance to watch all of that except for like Attack of the Show and X-Play and things like that. Adam Sessler's back for G4, and it looks like a lot of their stuff is on Twitch and on YouTube and things like that. But they're doing things a little bit in the wrong, and they're doing things a little bit differently. And I don't think that they should be doing it this way, and I think that it's going to cause them some problems down the road. So, Indiana Black made a big stink about sexism in gaming and I thought she made some good points and I thought she made some horrific points and she kind of blasted on those that paved the way before her on that program and especially one in particular that I want to talk about in a positive light and maybe one that's more a uh, I'm not going to sit here and talk crap about anybody but one that's probably more of a more of a model and anything else like that, but she's really good at what she does. All of them are really good at what they do. So, Adam Sessler, if you know him from X-Play, and you know he's been in the journalism world for a long, long time, he's in his mid-40s, Adam Sessler, when he was with Morgan Webb and things like that. He's currently in his mid-40s. I don't know what happened if, if Adam Sessler fell off a cliff or if he uh, landed on some rocks, or he has some kind of brain damage, or things like that. I have no disrespect toward Adam Sessler, the person. I could definitely shake his hand and all that stuff. I like what he does in terms of his journalistic, journalistic integrity. I think that he does a damn good job. But at the end of the day, when you're going on, and you're talking about all this stuff, and you're clapping like a seal for Indiana Black, and we're going to sit there and talk about everything else that she said... But Adam Sessler is one of those guys that had went on Twitter. He says that he hates Republicans and supports doxing. Anyone that voted for Donald Trump, he supports death on you. And he thinks that anyone else in his family, even in his family, should drink pee or drink bleach and kill themselves 
if they are a Republican voter, because anybody that's a Republican voter is nothing more than an inbred who drinks pee and should bleach and kill themselves and things like that. He's on record saying that. You can go ahead and look it all up. For Adam Sessler, all that stuff is completely true. He takes gamers and the quantifiable aspect of what G4 and everything else should be, he takes all of those guys and pretty much chucks them up in a blender and throws them away, but then it still expects you to watch his show because he's so great and all of that stuff. He's totally sandbagging on the complete aspect of the audience that you should be tailoring to. So Indiana Black goes on her rant and says there's too much sexism in gaming, and it doesn't matter what happens. She can't get the respect that she deserves, and she said this, honestly. She can't get the respect she deserves because she's not as bangable as the previous hosts that were on G4 in terms of Morgan Webb and Olivia Munn on Attack of the Show. She's not as bangable, so she doesn't get the same kind of respect. She can't have guys spread their seed all over the place, so she can't get the same kind of respect. Who the hell do you think you're talking to in terms of all of that? Again, I understand that this isn't all added on me. I'm not one of those ones in this audience in her rant that all this stuff is going on. But at the same time, when you're making these accusations and you're saying these things, you're totally disrespecting, totally disrespecting Morgan Webb and Olivia Munn that have been there. Look, I understand both Morgan Webb and Olivia Munn, they're attractive. They make no mistake about it. They pose for Maxim and things like that. Morgan Webb is a very accredited video game journalist. She did an excellent job on X-Play. She did an excellent job on Tech TV and all that stuff before. She's working in video game studios. She's an ad advocate for women to be able to get into gaming. And she does her best, best impressions to put her foot forward and try to help women in gaming and everyone else get a job and go against the stereotypes and get everything else that they need to be. She is an absolute freaking role model for girls out there to be able to get everything else done. And you're going to sit here and say that all she is is nothing more than a spank bank for guys to be able to beat their meat to? Who are you talking to? You're completely disrespecting the two. So here's the thing. With G4 and Morgan Webb and Olivia Munn, whether it be X-Player or Attack of the Show, I'm sure... I'm going to go ahead and say this on record because I, I believe this to be the case. And anyone else that works there, they want to sit there and talk about it. I'm sure G4 at the time, and this is before they merged. This is when they bought Tech TV and all that stuff. I'm sure they went to Morgan Webb and Olivia Munn and said, Look, ladies, we know you're both attractive. Do you want to play up the sex symbol thing just a little bit just to get people intrigued to make them laugh and enjoy themselves because you know the majority of the men and everybody else are going to be able to watch it? And to their credit, Morgan Webb and Olivia Munn not only did that, they did that wholeheartedly and they did that and they had fun with it and enjoyed their time with it. When you watched, especially the G4 reunion and all that stuff before they tried to do this failed attempt or soon to be failed attempt on YouTube and all that, they flat out told you that they played up to that aspect. They flat out told you that that stuff was willing to happen. And they flat out told you that they had fun with it. And they didn't consider themselves just sex models and puppets and things like that. Like Indiana Black is claiming that those two are. And again, I'm sure they did some things and G4 probably played to that aspect. But again, I believe that Morgan Webb is a very excellent journalist and a much better host. At the end of the day, look, it's one of those things where I'm not sitting there dogging about Indiana Black or the way she looks or what she's got and all the things like that because I don't give a flying F about all of that. At the end of the day when I'm looking at something, whether it's G4 or anything else like that, you could look like a tiny purple Danny DeVito. It doesn't matter what you look like. 
I'm going there and looking at your channel because I want to be entertained. I want you to give me some information that I haven't seen before. I want you to give me some information and experiences and tell me, oh, maybe I should play this game, or maybe I should give this a second chance, or I didn't think about this, or I didn't think about that, or these guys are really cool, or they make some great content. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's not about all these sexist, sexist rants and things like that, because what you're doing... Indiana, and what you're doing, G4, and Adam Sessler, Seal Clap, who can't even be bothered to show up on the couch with everyone else on G4 because he wants to sit in his tiny little office in his video because he can't be bothered to be seen in front of everybody. What you're doing at the end of the day is this. All you're doing is feeding into the trolls. All you're doing is feeding into the very market of the ones that you hate the most. Because, again... I am a channel that maybe only has like 20 subscribers. I probably only get two or three interactions at most pertain to each video. I'm okay with that. I'm a hopeless uh, sports guy. I'm a hopeless uh, video content creator. I'll never be able to do anything else. I suck. I'm worthless. All of that. I understand all of that. At the end of the day, it's up to me to continue to make all of this stuff and do what I have to do because I like doing it. That's what's most important. It's not about getting all of this media contact and making this big hoopla and trying to go on these big rants and do all of this it's not because what you're doing at what you're doing now is just alienating the rest of your viewership base anyone else that thought you had any kind of credibility because what you're saying is you're reading going in reading these comments which you shouldn't be reading any troll comments anyway it doesn't matter how small big channel you are when you're looking at comments and you start feeding into all that and you're buying into all that and thinking about all that yourself all you're doing to them is giving your voice giving them a voice and doing yourself a disservice that's what you're doing at the end of the day and when you're reading comments and you're going in and saying people can't be as good because I can't be as good because I'm not as hot look I don't have all the same gene pool tools that everyone else would have my fiance is absolutely gorgeous I'm not a great looking guy maybe at my best day I'm maybe a 7 out of 10 she's a 10 out of 10 get out of the bed get out of the bed hot I, I'm not that I have to do uh, so many other things to be able to make myself have a good enough appearance and she doesn't have to so, and one of these things in terms of work and aspects all of that, Indiana Black is going to have to work that much harder and do that much more because certain other people will be able to get away with certain things that she can't. That's the, just the way the world works. The world's unfair. It's not always kind to you. You have to understand that. If you think the world is going to be able to sit there and give you everything uh, on a platinum platter, you're wrong. That's not the way the world works. It's not. I wish... I didn't have cerebral palsy. I wish I could get all the kinds of girlfriends and things that I want. I wish that I could go all kinds of parties. I wish that I could win the lottery and make millions of dollars and not have to do anything. I wish that I could just make videos and do all the things I want to and make profit and live a happy life and just talk to everybody and get millions of engagement and all that. I'm not going to get anybody. Nobody engages with my content. At the end of the day, i got to do it because I love to do it. And that's all it is. So, Olivia Munn... From Oregon website, okay, granted, again, you might can you could dock her some points in dealing with Aaron Rodgers, dating Aaron Rodgers, because Aaron Rodgers is a little bit of a tool, from what we understand. But with between her and Kevin Pereira, they were having fun and they wanted to do all that stuff at G4. That's what it's about. Going on these giant rants or doing the exact opposite for you, because if you think that's the best way to go about things, it's not. So here is where I felt really bad. 
and this is for Gerard, and this is for the completionist. If you're not aware of the completionist, he's one of those guys that's absolutely legendary in the gaming world. He's got about a hundred or 1.5 million subscribers on his YouTube channel, and this guy's smart. All right, he's gone through some crap as far as I'm not going to air all the dirty laundry, but he talked about it as far as some stuff on his YouTube channel when he was doing it with his friend. His friend wanted to uh, try to get some copyright infringement stuff and get all of Gerard's stuff taken down and take down all of his livelihood and source of income. So you know what Gerard did? He said, "Screw that." He parted with all of his friend and all that because he knew he wasn't going to be able to save that relationship. He went back and re-uploaded all those all those videos all by himself one by one by one by one he did it at the end of the day because he loves gaming and all of that so I imagine again I don't know how long he works for G4 I don't know how long Indiana Black or Adam Sessler or all those other guys are still working there in fact I want to give you one of the other other things along with Indiana Black that uh, one of the other guys had said um, I'm not really familiar with him as well but he said, one of the ones that was talking about Indiana when she's making a rant saying it was gross, that girls should be able to uh, swallow because that's their opportunity. And he's the one making that stuff. And you're saying you're working with a guy that's not sexist? I don't know. But that's all the stuff going on at G4 at the end of the day. It's pretty bad. So with Gerard, I felt really bad for him because I think he's one of those guys at the end of the day that's just a gaming gaming aspect of it. I don't know if he wanted to go through all of this stuff. He probably looked at G4 as a big opportunity. I understand that you need to embrace the people around that you work with and try to work around and be the best that all of you can be to be a good cohesive team, but I don't think he wanted all that stuff. And I don't think going about this was the right way. This was, That was the guy, Black Hawkage. He had multiple videos about him saying, you don't ask girl to girl to swallow your load, you tell them to do it. <laughs> And you're saying, oh, you believe her, but you're saying you're not sexist? I don't know. Adam Sessler, he's not in the wrong for telling people to drink bleach and kill themselves? I don't know. So, Richard Review Tech USA, I love his channel. I thought he made a really good point. I know sometimes he can be a little bit of a smartass as far as I have these consoles and you don't and this and that. But at the end of the day, I think that he is a good aspect and judge of character. And he talks about things the right way. And you put a quote like this, and I honestly, I couldn't really think of it in any better light. It was a quote, quotes from him and quotes from uh, some of the people in his comment section. He said, people who were kids, let me, let me look at this here. So here's another thing here first. G4 is trying to block and limit comments to those who only had a month of paid subscription. Yeah, that's going to really work out well. Limiting comments in this way is not going to help uh Stick with your audience. But here's a couple things that I wanted to mention here. So having a shouting match like that and trying to get your point is like trying to fight the air. It's, it's not going to work. And you mentioned that people were kids. Anyone that questioned their beliefs, anyone that was attacking them, these people are now adults and they have to try to live in this world and try to find a way to interact and deal with Internet hate. You're not going to stop Internet hate, folks. I don't care who you think you are. I don't care if you think you're the best person in the entire world, if you're Superman or you're this and that. I'm not saying sexism okay. I'm not saying internet hate is okay. But what I'm saying is it is trying to like fist fight the wind. You can't stop internet hate. All you can do is ignore the trolls and move on and continue to work to the best of your ability. That's the way that you do it. You continue to move on and you motivate yourself. You do all that you can do. Because these people, Rich goes on to saying, and I, I truly believe him on this, these people have been conditioned to believe that anyone 
everyone has to be nice to you. They're conditioned to believe that everyone has to be nice to you. And now they have to try to go into this world and homogenize all the hate. Which you can't do that. How are these adults going to function? You can't put a bubble around everything. You can't use these tools that you thought from uh, psychiatrics or stuff that your mom and dad taught you or stuff that your teachers taught you. You can't use these tools and be like, oh, well, you can't say these things to me and sticks and stones and this and that. You have to learn to make it through a pretty effed up world. That's what you have to do. And you have to learn to put your best foot forward and you have to learn to say, look, I can do this. I'm going to ignore everything else in front of me, and I'm going to move on and go about my business. I understand the world's not fair. I understand that, at the end of the day, it is the most difficult aspect of living is dealing with all the hate, knowing that you don't get all the things that you want, knowing that no matter what you do sometimes, life's just not fair, but you have to get over it. You have to know that things aren't going to get better for you. You have to know that just doing the best you do you can do will let you go to sleep at night with your head held high in your conscience. When you sell out for anything else, when you sell out to try to make this big incoherent rant, well, she did make some good points, but she made some really horrible ones, and she burned some bridges for the people that did it before her much better. It just doesn't work that way. And you're not doing yourself any favors. And you're not doing Gerard any favors. I don't know about the rest of everyone else on G4. Adam Sessler's probably a lost cause, but Indiana Black, maybe her heart was in the right place at times, but certainly isn't now. And I don't know what's going to happen with the rest of G4. So this is going to be John Ott signing off for the Detroit Sports Recap Show. We talked about the Red Wings. We talked about some of the... Uh, Awful performances with the Blackhawks and the Maple Leafs and bounce pack performances between the Anaheim Ducks and the Pittsburgh Penguins. We talked about some of the things going on with the Detroit Pistons and Kate Cunningham continuing to make some strides. We talked about Major League Baseball, Shohei Otani on the cover. We don't have initial word as far as Major League Baseball yet as far as the season, but Shohei Otani is on the cover and the game's coming out April 5th. We talked about the merger between Bungie and Sony, the answer from Activision and Blizzard, and why I think all that stuff really isn't going to matter until the PlayStation 6 and the next Xbox iteration. Don't sit there and fall on all this camp of you have to have one console or a console flex. It's not the way it works, guys. Play what you like to play and answer with your wallet. We talked about the NFL retirements with Ben Roethlisberger and Matt Stafford. If Matt Stafford wins it all in a couple weeks, I will be back here to give him his full marks and full service. But... This is what he was supposed to do. The red carpet's laid out in front. He's got to get the job done now. We did the shameless plug of Scarlet Nexus Review and the things I have upcoming. We are going to talk about the post-game at the end of the day for the Detroit Pistons and the New Orleans Pelicans, and I closed it out with a G4 controversy because making those rants is not the best way to go about things. The best way to go about things is continuing to do your job, doing it better, knowing that some of these other small channels are doing it better. Don't bring bridges behind everyone else who did it better before you. Go about, do your business, and keep your head held high. But this is John Ott signing off for the January 1st show. As always, everybody, have a good one.